0: Focus on Headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines here on Focus on Headline. For this, uh, joining us in the studio, we have our reporters, Che Ji and Yun young Guys, welcome back.
1: Hello, Good evening. and happy 19th anniversary to our young radio. Oh, congratulations. I was just <laughs> going to
0: say that. I took the words <laughs> out of and my congrats, mouth
1: here. SJ, you made a debut as an idol group today. You did?
0: Who says that's a debut? (laughs) Who says says that was a debut? You were
1: already a superstar. Was it a comeback? Was (laughs) it a comeback?
0: No, it it was kind of a comeback.
1: Why did you change your outfit?
0: I am not going to talk (laughs) about the National Assembly kicking off its regular session on Thursday wearing my HOT outfit as much as people want to see that. But. no, I'm glad that everyone enjoyed that uh, special. I really had uh, fun uh, meeting all the uh, DJs as well. Uh, but let's get to business, guys. The National Assembly, like I mentioned, kicking off their uh, regular session on Thursday, amid tensions between the ruling People Power Party and the main opposition Democratic Party. This, of course, uh, the first National Assembly regular session since uh, President Yoon took office back in May. So, sae uh, fill us in with the latest on this.
1: Sure. Um, the Yoon suk yeol administration's first regular National Assembly session began with an opening ceremony at around 2 p.m. today, and it will last for the next 100 days until December 9th. This is also going to be South Korea's 400th regular National Assembly session and will be tasked with passing the 2023 budget plan along with other urgent economic issues related to people's livelihoods. However, at the same time, it is also expected to focus on the issue of appointing a special inspector and Democratic Party's request for a special counsel to be appointed to investigate the First Lady Kim gon hee and the current government's push for tax cuts. In addition to that, a confirmation hearing for the candidates for the Ministry of Education and Health and Welfare, which are currently vacant, is also expected to be held during the regular session of the National Assembly. Taking a look at the upcoming schedule, the chairs of ruling and opposition parties will give a parliamentary speech on September 14th and 15th, respectively, and a four-day interpellation session on government's policy will be held from September 19th to September 22nd, followed by a three-week parliamentary audit from October 4th to the 24th. In particular, the ruling party is expected to face off against the policies of the previous Moon administration, which they claim failed, uh, while the main opposition party is likely to highlight the Yoon administration's sluggish policy implementation and the absence of policy coherence during the parliamentary audit that starts next
0: month. Boy, it's going to be uh, really uh, huge back and forth yes. here, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the meantime, uh, the ruling and opposition party is on Thursday agreeing to pass the bill to ease property related tax burdens on temporary uh, multiple homeowners, and the elderly, not to mention long-term single homeowners as well. Uh, this is big stuff. Tell us more about this.
1: Representatives Ryu Song gol of the PPP and Shin dong gun of the DP, who are in charge of the each party's secretaries of National Assembly's Planning and Finance Committee, met at the National Assembly Thursday morning and agreed on the revision of the comprehensive real estate tax bill. Like you said, Ashi, um the rev- revised bill aims to ease the tax burden for temporary multiple homeowners, long-term single homeowners, and the elderly, and up to 400,000 related taxpayers who fall in these categories will be benefited. But um, the ruling and opposition parties failed to narrow the differences over the increase in the basic deduction uh, exemption limit for single homeowners who are living alone, a single-person household. And the key point was to temporarily increase the limit of the basic real estate tax deduction for a homeowner with a house worth between $1.1 billion to $1.4 billion this year. But they didn't reach an agreement and instead they decided to continue discussions on this matter in the future, which experts say may cause great confusion among 93,000 single homeowners with the home worth the price mentioned earlier.
0: Yes, it's not me because I don't have a house that expensive but mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting with the uh, the elderly uh, homeowners because this was the big fiasco is yes. they're saying that they let's say they have a home that they've had for many many years mm-hmm. and let's say over time uh, the real estate prices have skyrocketed and a lot of the elderly folks they're not working right so mm-hmm. there's no money coming in except for That's maybe only, like their pension only
1: property they own yeah right?
0: exactly uh-huh. and so and they're just not able to afford uh, right. the property taxes which I mean can get very expensive mm-hmm. uh for some of them uh, in the meantime, in other news, uh, Samsung Electronics Vice Chairman Lee jae and uh, SK Group Chairman Choi Tae-won, uh, they're expected to visit Britain and J- uh, Japan to promote South Korea's bid to host the 2030 World Expo, not to mention uh, Vice Chairman Lee Jae-yong will be serving as the special presidential envoy for the bid. Uh, ji let's get more on this.
2: Right, so Samsung Electronics Vice Chairman Lee Jae-yong is reportedly planning to visit Britain later this month as a presidential envoy for South Korea's bid to host the 2030 World Expo in Busan, the country's southern port city. Now Lee's visit will take place after the appointment of Britain's new prime minister, and talks are reportedly underway for Lee to meet with the newly appointed uh, prime minister of Britain. What's interesting is that Lee's late father Lee He, former uh, chairman of Samsung, had played a critical role in winning the 2018 PyeongChang Winter Olympics bid, so now Lee will take on an important role in the country's bid for another national event. Right. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, SK Group Chairman Che Won is expected to visit Japan this month as well as part of the government's World Expo bid campaign. And Che is currently arranging a meeting with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida and is expected to visit Osaka, where uh, Japan's 2025 World Expo will be held. However, the schedules of both top executives have not yet been finalized, according to sources. And regarding the expo bidding campaign, Prime Minister Han Deok-su said at a press conference last month that he expects Lee to visit several countries in Europe right before Chuseok, uh, which is the country's fall harvest holiday that will begin next Friday, and to support the government's World Expo bid. Uh, According to sources, heads of Hyundai Motor, uh, LG, and Lotte groups could also join the government's overseas World Expo bid campaign as presidential envoys, but then details as to who will go to which country have not been confirmed yet. Uh, Currently, South Korea is competing with Italy and Saudi Arabia in the bid, and the final winner is expected to be announced in November next year.
0: That's right. Uh, big stuff going on here. Uh, obviously, it's not just those two, but uh, many other uh, people getting involved when trying to get this uh, World Expo here. Uh, let's move on to other news. Uh, we're going to focus more on the economy this time. Uh, South Korea's trade deficit hitting an all-time high in the month of August, approaching 10 billion U.S. dollars. Uh, se tell us more about this.
1: South Korea's exports increased by 7% last month thanks to petroleum products, cars, and rechargeable batteries. But imports surged 28%, and as a result, the nation's balance of trade stayed in the red for the fifth consecutive month in August for the first time in more than 14 years. And it's also a record figure since the relevant data was first compiled in 1956. One of the reasons for the sharp rise in imports is the soaring energy and raw materials with increase in oil, coal and gas use amid scorching weather. And a surge in energy prices is also due to global supply shortages and geopolitical risks such as the war in Ukraine Uh, is also pressuring South Korea that is already suffering continued trade deficit. Higher interest rates at home and abroad, a slowdown in China's economy and a surge in imports of raw materials and intermediate goods from China are also cited uh, as reason of the rise of a trade deficit and taking a look at the as factor that worsened the situation and south korea depends on imports for a huge portion of its energy needs and its energy imports rose 8.86 billion us dollars from the same month last year to 18.52 billion us dollars which is 91.8% increase on year and in response the government said it will provide over a quarter of a trillion dollars in trade financing to help with exports.
0: Yeah, I mean, we just—I mean, there's nothing we can do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. South Korea just gets a lot of the uh, the energy sources from overseas, right. and uh, they just—I mean, we've seen skyrocketing prices left mm-hmm. and right, and so hence, I mean, it's not like we've been seeing high—you uh, know—increasing trade deficit like this, just like last month. It's been going on for months and months, and I'm sure a lot of countries uh, who are relying on getting these uh, imported energy are facing the same issues here. Uh, guys, we're going to talk about something that we talked uh, discussed in details. Uh, yesterday because opinions are divided over the International Tribunal's order regarding the dispute between South Korea and Lone Star funds, uh, in particular, of course, uh, Lone Star expressing their you know, disappointment over the amount of compensation, which, by the way, again, less than 5% uh, of what they initially demanded. So, Jihee, what's the latest on this?
2: Right. So, regarding the decision of the International Center for Settlement of Investment Disputes, or ICSID, over the sale of the now-defunct uh, Korea Exchange Bank, the U.S. private equity firm Lone Star Funds said it was, quote-unquote, disappointed. Now, the ICSID has rewarded Lone Star $216.5 million, which is only 4.6% of its uh, demand of $4.68 billion in an investor state dispute settlement suit that the firm filed against South Korea in 2012. Uh, In a statement under the name of a spokesperson, Lone Star claimed the amount is not enough to compensate for the Korean government's unfair acts and the risks Lone Star had to take while bailing out KAB in 2003 and the added value that Lone Star contributed to KAB's shareholders as well as the Korean banking system. Uh, It went on to say despite years of efforts to sell its controlling interest in KAB, South Korea violated both domestic and international laws. And they said they're glad that the court has proven their core argument on behalf of their investors. Uh, however, the private equity firm did not mention whether it would request a cancellation of the
0: decision. Again, uh, yesterday we had a very long discussion in regards to this. but uh, There's been uh, many different feedbacks uh, regarding this as well. Well, we're going to be turning to our expert and uh, see what uh, he thinks about this Lone Star issue. Who better to connect than Professor Young jun at Catholic University of Korea? Joining us on the line, Professor Young, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Happy to be here. So, Professor yeah I mean, some people are saying that uh, the government did, again, a good job, since it only has to pay 4.6% of uh, what was initially demanded by Lone Star. I mean, still a massive amount, but when you're talking about 4-point-something like billion dollars, uh, just less than 5% is pretty good. Uh, but others still disagree. They're saying, I mean, this is coming out of our own pockets, the taxpayers' money and things like that, the, the different governments. It's the other government's fault. Why does the current government need to deal with this? Uh, what are your thoughts on this issue
3: okay well uh, uh, there were some uh, about uh, four four or five main points uh, that the uh, Lone star used and a lot of it in fact most of it the ICID or uh, ICID found that it was uh, not really applicable or uh, was uh, wrongheaded so in that sense Korea did win but we did lose certain components Uh, uh, So in that sense, I think it's fair to say that because we ended up paying something, we lost uh, at least part of the case. And even if uh, we did win on some of the points, our winning is that basically we didn't have to pay any money. So it is, in that sense, a bit unfair. But still, in terms of minimizing the loss that we could have taken, I think uh, the uh, government and the legal team did a good job. If you look at it point by point, then first point that Lone Star made was that by delaying approval, the government, by delaying approval, Lone Star lost out on potential sale to uh, HSBC, uh, Hong Kong Shanghai Savings Bank. The uh, ISAT found that this was not an applicable argument, because this happened before the uh, korean Belgium-Luxembourg uh, bilateral trade agreement. So that was made even before the agreement that guaranteed anything to Lone Star. The second point was uh, the government, again, delayed approval. And because of uh, when the uh, Lone Star was trying to sell KEB to HANA Bank, so the uh, price of the KEB bank was reduced. But in this point, Korea lost partially, but also Lone Star lost partially as well. The uh, ISET found that uh, part of the losses uh, were not due to uh, government delays, but because uh, Lone Star engaged in stock price manipulation for KEB credit card division. So this was as much fault of uh, Lone Star as the uh, government, uh, and this would be the biggest loss that Korea took. And then there were some issues related with taxes that Korea won for the most part. So I think in the end, we cannot really say that Korea won, but I think Korea did a good job at minimizing the losses. And we should really take a look at why did Korea lose? There are a lot of Koreans who feel that the said uh, ruling was unfair, but it may be unfair because we're looking at it from Korea's point of view and Korea's point of view may not be the accepted international norm. So we should check whether is it our problem or is it the I made a wrong decision.
2: Uh, Professor, here's my question to you. Uh, Justice Minister Han Dong-un said it would be worth fighting until the end, citing minority opinions, and announced the government would request a cancellation of the International Tribunal's order. And the minister said he would do his best to prevent even a penny of taxpayer money from being wasted. So is there anything we should pay particular attention to in the process of filing a cancellation?
3: Okay, well, uh, you just said the uh, magic word, I think it's cancellation or nullification of a decision. Uh, it's not an appeal process. and first potential problem is that there's really very few areas where you can ask for nullification of a decision, Typically, be things like procedural irregularity, overreach of authority, or insufficient reasoning. Uh, now there is Uh, Of the uh, three arbitrators, it's known that one arbitrator argued that Korea did not need to pay anything, but we don't know whether this is enough for nullification. If Korea applies for nullification, but it's not accepted by the ICID, then Korea will have to pay additional funds for interest on the penalties that Korea has incurred, and... It will also take maybe about a year or two for the case to uh, work itself out, as well as additional legal costs. But my feeling is that it's something that should be tried, and that's because even though Korea now only has to pay about 4.6% of what the Lone Star claimed, it's still a lot of money, and if there's a possibility that we don't have to pay any of it, I think uh, what legal costs, and interest payments that korea potentially has to pay is a lot less than what korea would have to pay under the current decision
1: all right um, professor although south korea is seeking an annulment of the order but we can't leave out the possibilities that it will not be accepted and in that case will south korean government have to pay nearly 300 billion one or about 224 million us dollars to loan Is there any chances of charging parts of compensation to people or institutions that are involved with Lone Star case, especially when there are concerns about South Korean government paying several hundreds of billions of won in compensation?
3: Well, if Korea wants to be taken seriously uh, as a... uh participating in international rule of law, then Korea will have to pay the penalties that were incurred by ICID unless ICID finds that there is a credible case to cancel their decision. Now, if Korea does have to pay, then can the previous government officials be responsible for at least part of the cost? Probably not. First, because the cost is so huge. Secondly, at least legally, the statute of limitation apparently has run out, so there's no legal basis to get the formal officials to uh, pay the part of the penalties. But perhaps more important is that the uh, it seems uh, we don't know what the exact decision is, and I don't think I do not believe it has been released to general public. But what seems to have happened in part is that Lone Star argued that because of political Uh, pressure because of the uh, popular pressure Korean government delayed in uh, making its decision and at least part of that interpretation may have been accepted by the arbitrators and if that is true then uh, the popular sentiment at the time was partially responsible so how do we get the public to uh, pay other than through taxes It really, I think, speaks to perhaps there needs to be a change in how uh, Koreans deal uh, with this type of unpopular foreign investment. If the uh, general uh, global investors see that, if they get the impression that, well, Korea is anti-foreign investor, they will use political means to uh, distort legal mechanisms, so that the foreign investors will take a loss, then we will probably always lose these ISIP cases. So we need to, as I said before, we need to take a look at where Korea's point of view aligns with international norms and where it does not.
0: Yeah, and that's the big concern, right? Uh, is it going to scare off more investors uh, down, the round, uh, down the road as well? But Professor, I mean, here's the thing, right? I mean, you know, we've seen incidents like this even before the Lone Star incident. Uh, you know, it happened after Lone Star. Uh, there's a number of disputes that are still online right now. Uh, what lessons can we learn from this case? And also, what advice can you give the Korean government on how they should respond to other uh, potential investor state dispute, uh, dispute settlements?
3: Okay, well, we really need to convince the arbitrators that Korea, even if uh, there is a large public sentiment against foreign investors and companies, that Korea arrives at its decisions uh, according to the law, fairly and on neutral terms, and even the government is under the rule of law. So the, uh, a minimal condition is that we should have equal treatment for domestic and foreign firms, and whenever we have a decision like this, where there is a potential for foreign companies to ask for arbitration and such, uh, then any type of judgments that are made in uh, those type of cases, uh, we need to have neutrality and transparency. We really need to have uh, legal proceedings and opinions. If they are issued, then we need them to be very clear. We need them to state. The logic behind the decisions in such a way that it will convince any neutral observers that this was indeed following the uh, Korean laws and uh, international norms in a neutral manner rather than uh, being pressured uh, by the public or the politicians.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, this is one of those cases where we don't know if this is a, a good news or a bad news with the results of this uh, settlement here. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Professor Young, thank you very much for connecting with us and giving us your insights. Uh, stay safe. And again, looking forward to talking to you. Thank you. All right. That was Professor Young Jun sun from the Catholic University of Korea joining us for this. Guys, we've been talking about this Lone Star incident for uh, really extensive since uh, yesterday. It feel like it's one of those things where do you see the glass half full or do you see the glass half mm-hmm. empty, right? Uh, is the un- less than 5% of what Lone Star initially paid for and what, you know, the South Korean government has to pay? Is that a win or still on the flip side, Might even with, uh, you know, under 5%, I mean, still a whole lot of money. And who has to pay for that? Is it the taxpayers' money? Right. How do you guys see this? Uh, Seon, let's start things off with you. Are you you kind of the glass full or the glass empty kind of uh, outlook on this? Uh,
1: Glass empty. (laughs) Although South Korean government made it clear that it will seek measures like an annulment of the order. But uh, it may not go as South Korea wants. And in that case, we should pay this huge amount of money as compensation. Although it minimized the amount of compensation, it's still a huge amount of money. And it will come from citizens' taxes. And although Professor Yang said delaying the decision was popular opinion at the time, but people are still angry due to the because due to the policy failure, failure and political decision, now we might have to witness one of the worst waste of taxpayer money.
0: Yeah, but the other thing is, it's like concern, even if they do yeah. end up canceling it, is yeah. and uh, you know South Korea just you know takes off from this, uh, it's going to scare off a lot of foreign investments, right? right? They're going, oh, right. we don't want to be investing uh-huh. in South Korea and potentially mm, yes. deal with this, it's and then end up not end, end mm-hmm. up getting anything out of anything, right? And right. so there'll be a lot of people scared off. Ji, uh, your thoughts on this and what the professor had said.
2: Uh, Well, I agree with the professor from our side. It could be seen as a win that we were able to minimize the compensation. I mean, it's less than 5%, but if we take a look at the actual amount, it's still 300 million won which is a lot and this has to come out from the taxpayer Uh, so like the professor said I think it should be tried the filing of a cancellation or nullification Uh, but other than this Lone Star case itself from a broader perspective I think this should be the case should be taken as an opportunity for uh, the Korean society and government to deal with further uh, disputes that are bound to come because our economy is co- continuously going to grow mm-hmm. and we're going to have more international investments which means we could have more disputes right. and even according to the Ministry of Justice right now we have six other disputes that have been uh, filed right. against the South Korean government mm-hmm. and they're still ongoing mm-hmm. so the government should really uh, take the oppor- uh, take this case as an opportunity to remind themselves of the importance of global standards when it comes to investments as well as uh, the rule of law just like the professor said, and uh, including a transparent policy enforcement by the government, as well as uh, the fair treatment of domestic as well as foreign investors and businesses.
0: I think the reason why this Lone Star incident uh, just was so much more complicated, like you mm-hmm. said, there are mm-hmm. other disputes on hand, but it's not going to be as complicated as this one is because there were so many shady dealings that were being done right. that caused a whole bunch of delays and a lot of questions being mm-hmm. made. And this was a you know ten years ago, and we we covered this. Uh, we're not going to take time to talk about all the shady dealings, potential shady dealings that were involved with this. But uh, again, my biggest concern out of this is now it is always good to have... you know, good amount of foreign investors coming into South Korea, but mm-hmm. are they going to be uh, scared off? And will this kind of further delay, the, you know, potential growth of the South Korean economy? Uh, is the big question here. Uh, we'll leave it at that for now, and I'm sure this is not going to be the last time we'll be talking about this. Uh, in other news, South Korea and the United States having wrapped up their major combined military drill. We're talking about the Urgy Freedom Shield exercise. This ended today. Uh, Jihee, you have more on this.
2: Right. So South Korea and the U.S. completed their OJ Freedom Shield exercise, which kicked off in August 22nd, despite North Korea state media slamming the annual drills as being a war against the regime. Now, the exercise involved more than a dozen field training events in line with the conservative Yoon suk yeol administration's commitment to normalizing and expanding the drills that were scaled back or suspended under the former administration in the drive for peace. And based on an all-out war concept, the exercise entailed three key elements, including the computer simulation command post exercise, field training, and the South Korean government's civil defense drills. And it proceeded in two major parts, including the first segment, uh, which involved drills on repelling North Korean attacks and defending the greater Seoul area, and the second part focused on counterattack operations. And General Am byung uh, the deputy commander of the South Korea-U.S. Combined Forces Command, led the entire exercise to conduct a key capability assessment, which is required for the envisioned transfer of wartime operational control to Seoul from Washington. And throughout the exercise, the Allies maintained tight vigilance amid concerns that North could engage in uh, additional provocative actions, like a nuclear test or missile launch. Uh, And the defense ministry evaluated the exercise as a normalized implementation of a practical nationwide level uh, war exercise. Meanwhile, as North Korea is continuously preparing for a new ICBM and a SRBM, according to military authorities, the possibility of the reclusive regime's further military provocation after the UFS is being raised.
0: Now, also, the head of the uh, National Security Office, we're talking about uh, Kim Song han having said on Wednesday night that Seoul, Washington, and Tokyo, they're going to have constructive discussions to further strengthen security cooperations among the three countries to counter evolving threats by North Korea. Uh, Seon, let's get more details on that
1: saying that the security situation in korean peninsula is very severe kim made the remarks during the meeting uh, with reporters before departing for hawaii at incheon international airport wednesday night and kim who arrived in hawaii on august 31st local time to meet with his japanese counterpart takiwa kiba and his u.s counterpart jake Sullivan, held by lecture talks with them respectively and separately And South Korean officials did not disclose the details of the meeting. But the National Security Advisors of Seoul and Tokyo are expected to discuss thorny issues such as compensation for the Korean victims of wartime forced labor and withdrawal of semiconductor-related export regulations during their 70-minute long meeting. In addition, at the 90-minute talks with his U.S. counterpart Jake Sullivan, Kim is expected to voice concerns over the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, which South Korean government has been struck that it will put its car makers at an unequal footing in the U.S. market. And Kim will also have talks with his counterparts in Hawaii on how to encourage Pyongyang to respond to Seoul's so-called audacious plan, an offer that seeks to support the North economically if it decides to take steps for denuclearization before returning home.
0: Yeah, of course, uh, Pyongyang did not like that plan. Uh, Mm -hmm. South Korean Foreign Minister Park Jing holding talks with Elizabeth Salmon, the newly appointed UN Special Rapporteur for uh, North Korean human rights at his office in Seoul yesterday. Now the two shared concerns over the human rights situation in North Korea, not to mention uh, agreeing to continue their close cooperation together regarding this issue. Uh Ji, let's get the details of this.
2: Right. So during his meeting with the newly appointed UN Special Rapporteur, Elizabeth Salman, South Korean Foreign Minister Park Jin said the government is deeply concerned about the North Korean human rights issue. Uh, Salman was on her first trip to South Korea since assuming the post as uh, UN Special Rapporteur early last month. And during their meeting, Park said South Korea could would uh, cooperate closely with the UN and the international community to address the problem. And the meeting was joined by Seoul's ambassador for North Korean human rights, Yi shin ha and Park described the Yoon Seogar administration's appointment of Lee in July as demonstrating its commitment to playing a leading role in efforts to improve the related situations in the North. Uh, Meanwhile, Salman called today for efforts to draw particular attention to the situation of women in uh, the North's regime, and the issue was raised during the Korea Global Forum for Peace hosted by South Korea's Unification Ministry in Seoul today. Uh, And this is where Salman vowed to try and engage with Pyongyang, among other efforts to improve the country's human rights uh, situation. She also stressed the need to enhance public awareness of the North's overall human rights situation, saying what we could do during these next months probably is to raise awareness of the situation and uh, provide a voice, a face to highlight the situation there.
0: Uh, Now also, uh, Li Zhanshu, the chairman of the Standing Committee of the National People's uh, Congress, Uh, he is also China's third highest ranking official, is expected to visit South Korea later this month. Uh, As Heng, you have more on this.
1: According to the sources, Seoul and Beijing are reportedly coordinating the schedule for Li's three-day visit to South Korea that is likely to kick off on September 15th. And Lee's visit to South Korea is at the invitation of National Assembly Speaker Kim Jinpyo, and the two are likely to hold talks to discuss ways to cooperate to commemorate the 30th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties between Seoul and Beijing amid stagnant relationship between two countries. And Lee is also highly expected to pay a courtesy visit to President Yoon Suk yeol after having a meeting with Kim, which is going to draw many people's attention with expectations for a possible bilateral meeting between President Yoon Suk yeol and President Xi Jinping, especially when Seoul remains caught in the middle of an intensifying tensions between Washington and Beijing.
0: Yeah, and again, it's really interesting because uh, despite anything, I mean, China, they do seem to continue to try to work yes. things out with mm-hmm. uh, South Korea think uh, you know years before i think they'll just be like oh forget about it uh, just retaliation here and there right. but again uh, the big question is whether or not xi jinping will ever come to south korea but according to many experts uh, highly unlikely at this time uh, there's something that xi jinping needs to get from south korea mm-hmm. in order for him to come and they were saying things like you know whether it be the thad re- removal of that and that'd be like the only th- reason uh why right. xi jinping would come uh guys before we do let you go because today's the 19th anniversary of mm-hmm of Arirang Radio. Any uh, remarks for our listeners out there? Uh, any final mess not, not final messages, but mm-hmm. any uh, thank you messages for our listeners out there? She let's start off with you because you got so many fans out there, <laughs> including Besby. Oh,
2: no, I, I just want to say uh, thank you for tuning in uh, to Arirang Radio. For I mean, there we have a lot of listeners who've been listening to the radio for years, you know. And I hope you would continue uh, uh, passionately listening to our mm-hmm. shows, especially Korean now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you have it, and Se yeah, of course,
1: tune in and I continue to tune in. And I truly hope that I'll be able to celebrate twentieth anniversary of Arirang Radio next year wherever I am <laughs> that's,
0: that's, that's what all <laughs> the DJs I said and we, we're hoping that we can celebrate <laughs> 20th anniversaries with well. uh, all the DJs maybe said maybe
1: that reveals my aim
0: yeah there you go uh, guys thank you very much for all your hard work here uh, and uh, stay safe we'll see you guys again thank you. you you can listen to Korea Now with me SJ Lee by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays 6pm to 8pm Korea time.